the last one is this, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Since to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and this is, this is where we have to understand why God gives us what He gives us. In any world, any gift, any ability, anything He gives us, it says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common And so, remember at the beginning, this is where I said that we have to use as kind of our discerning factor about if a scripture is being used adequately or accurately enough, is that, is it telling me that God is giving me something for me, or is it telling me that God is equipping me and giving me something for what? The common good. For the good of others. Not just for myself, but for my local church, but for my family, for my community. That God is equipping me, that God is giving me, that God is empowering me, not for my own desires. And this is where we see these things kind of come to play. It does not promise us that God will give us the strength to follow our desires. But this is the representation of this verse that's been used to get. You know, this is the thought process, the, the accomplishment that we believe that, that the Bible is speaking to in regards to what we want to accomplish or how we want to accomplish it based off of our own desires. And so there's this misrepresentation that tells us that if God is on my side and the strength of Christ is in me, then I can accomplish anything. But what it doesn't account for is it doesn't account for when we don't accomplish it, right? It doesn't account for the realities that we face from day to day. You know, and, and just to give you an example of, of, of some, of how this is misrepresented, and, and I particularly always like to call people out, but I'll just let you know that this guy's name line with Goldstein, but it, <laughs> it, it says this, it comes from a devotion. It says, most people tend to be mad, tempted to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings. But Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible in those who believe. That's right. It is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to find a new life. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know it, how it will take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God said you can, you can. You know, there's lots of, of you in there, right? Your destiny. Your dreams. Your fulfillment. Like, it's all about you. Magnify. Don't magnify your limitations. Don't focus on your weakness. Don't focus on your needs. Focus on what you can do for you, for your desires, for your dreams. Do you see how the fault can come when you begin to take a verse like that and apply it in ways that it's not meant to be? Church, how does not a heavenly buckler or divine sugar daddy? The Bible does not teach that God will do whatever our desires lead to. What is the Bible does tell us is that He will give us the desires of our heart. That's another verse we'll deal with at some point. But that does not mean He will give us what is already within us. It means that He will replace the desires that we have to match the desires that He has for us in our life. Because listen, what are we driven by? Our natural state is not driven by the leadership of God. Our natural state in life to be driven by our flesh, to be driven by our own, what I want, what Jake wants, what, what internally what I think about, what, what motivates me. You know, I would like to say that 24-7 of my life that God doesn't motivate me, but he's not. My comforts motivate me a lot. My own desires motivate me a lot. My flesh motivates me a lot. My selfishness motivates me a lot. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's the same. 
what God does teach, church. And this is where we begin to see the truth of what God wants us to hear in this verse. What God does promise us is that He may not be our Father, He may not be our sugar daddy, but what God does promise us is He promises that He is our sustainer when life feels unsustainable. That God is the sustainer when life feels unsustainable. So what are the truths that God wants us to hear from this verse? When we read Philippians verse 4, chapter 4, verse 13, what do we see? I can do all things. And the reality of this, all things we have to understand, when he says all things, he includes the hard things. He doesn't say that I can accomplish, I can do all things that make me immune to the difficult struggles of life. Because the reality is every single one of us, people around us, people we know, people we love, are navigating the depths of the darkest places they've ever been in life. And according to the previous interpretation, we would assume that we're failing at something. Now, I'm not saying that the mistakes we make don't put us in bad situations. I'm not saying that our own sin, our own choices, don't put us in situations where we find ourselves in dark spaces. But the difference is, if we live by the misinterpretation of that verse, then we would have to believe, one, that God has either given up on me, or two, that God is not at a place where I'm at right now. That I left God behind me. Now I'm in this dark space, and there's no way out to Him. But what is this verse truly telling us? When it says that I can do all things, I can do all things, which includes the hard things. What he is talking about, and I love when we step back For I have learned 
in whatever situation that he can have. And then he kind of goes in and he kind of covers the gamut of life experience, doesn't he? He says in verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Which is amazing when we consider the fact of who Paul has been in his life. Paul was a successful, educated man who people looked up to, who held high companies, that he knew people in high places. Like, he was the man. He was leading people. He was pointing people to do what they needed to do. He, he had it all together. And so he says, he says, listen, I know what it means in life to be everything. He says, and I know what it means in life to be nothing. And then he continues on. He says, and in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. He continuously references back to this experience. The secret of facing plenty and hunger. Facing abundance and need. I mean, he's saying, listen, I've literally been in places where I have had more than I could ever want or ask or need for. But then he says, and I've also been in places where I have nothing. So he's not saying that, you know, when we go back to the previous kind of illustration of what it means to I can do all things or I can accomplish all things, he says, listen, I've been at points where I feel like I have accomplished nothing. Where I And what does he say? He says that I've learned to face money and hunger, abundance and need. And he says that in every situation, you've learned that in verse 11, I can be content. So just really quick, you've got to understand what contentment is or godly contentment. Because contentment is not complacency. You know, a lot of times we kind of put those words together because we need to understand the difference between those things. That complacency and contentment are very different where complacency sells, contentment stands firm. You know, complacency is accepting even if it's hurting us. Complacency refuses to see what's wrong, where godly contentment finds joy in what Christ has blessed us with. Contentment is a step towards fulfillment where complacency refers to being satisfied with the current position, even when seeing the need for improvement, but not making much attempt to improve. So complacency is just accepting our circumstances. Where contentment is not being driven by our need. Those are very different things. Because contentment is a movement towards fulfillment. And I love it. He says, he says I've learned the secret. He says, I've learned the secret to being content. I've learned the secret to not be living my life in constant need for more, 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 and more. Right? We can be driven by more. Whether it's more money, more love, more I found a place in which I can find satisfaction, where I can find joy and be driven spiritually. He says that secret is that Christ has become the central treasure. To know Christ so that he is our satisfaction. That he is speaking of a level of maturity in Christ that comes when we are engaged with him. To endure all things that I can do all. Not that I can accomplish all, but that I can do all. That in life, you know, and, and this is it. That's, I love so much that we sang that song again this morning. That's what we were talking about.
truth of the gospel that we need to be reminded about is that God is a sustainer. And there is hope that God says you can endure this. You can do all things. You can endure all things that God is there. That God is present in those spaces where you think he's absent. That God is there. You know, even if, even if, and this is why, as we were talking about this in the worship team this morning, this is why even though sin needs to be pointed out, sin needs to be dealt with. Church, we cannot count people out and shove people away from us because of sin. We cannot do it. We've got to allow space for grace because the place in which people need to work through their sin is right here. The worst place we can ever put anybody who's dealing with sin in their life is pointing them out into the world. Because you know what the world's going to do? The world's going to show them other means at which dealing with their hurts. And you know what that's going to lead them to? It's going to lead them to substances that's numb the pain. It's not going to teach them how to deal with the pain. What they need to be doing is they need to be sitting in a place with broken people seeking after a holy God that tells them the source of their issues is sin and flesh within their heart that needs to be dealt with. The world's not going to tell them that. The world's going to tell them you're depressed, or you're hurting, or you're making mistakes. Listen, just drown in drugs and alcohol. You'll forget all about it. And then the next day, just start the salt cycle over again. That's what the world's going to tell them. Only us, we are the only ones that have the cure for that cancer. And it's Christ Jesus leading to the lives of broken, desperate people. And that's why the church can never be a place for the pious. The church can never be this perfect place where people walk in and have to pretend like they have no issue. Listen, if you as a church ever get to the point where you're looking for a preacher who is perfect, you're going to have to go somewhere else because I am not that guy. Listen, the friends and people closest to me that even attend the church, I make sure that they know and recognize I am not that guy. I am not perfect. And I don't want to have to pretend to be perfect. I'll let you choose Christ, and I want people to hold me accountable to a level of leadership that God will call me to, and my other leadership to, but I am not perfect by any means. You know what I need? I need you to hold me up sometimes. You think every day I come here and, I, and I'm just filming it? I wish I was, but I don't. But when I come here and I see you, and I, I need that song, we can't ever see this gathering as not important or something that we can do at home. You can't replace this gathering with anything else. You can't replace this people with anything else. We are meant to be here for each other and hold each other up. And then for all our hurts and all our, 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 our spaces and cause, what Paul is reminding us of is that we can endure the crushing feeling of defeat if those dreams aren't realized. He's not telling us to pursue our dreams and what we need, but what he's telling us to do is that when our dreams aren't realized and we're feeling God will endure us. God will carry us through that. If there's light at the end of that time, He's not encouraging Christians to go out and conquer the world. He's reminding us that we can press on when the world conquers us. Because listen, it happens. Man, I mean, how many times have you been in these spaces where you're like, man, I can't, I can't carry on. This is too hard. You know, I, I try to teach my boys in life and in sports, you know, you're going to fail so many more times than you're going to succeed. And what this verse means is that in the midst of that failure, I can do that. Right? I can do all things. I can fail gracefully. I can, I can pick myself up and continue to press on, even if I fail. 
secret of Christ. John 55 says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. If there's nothing that we do apart from Christ, there is no parenting, there is no pastoring, there is no uh, spousal work that I can do separate from Christ. There is nothing else to be separate from Christ. Christ is a secret. And really, Paul really gets this home when, you jump, when we, if you jump back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. This book, Philippians, is just such a powerful, powerful statement of sustaining and endurance through God. But he says this in Philippians 3, verse 7. He says, But whatever gain I have, you know, and I, I stop there because I love the, the, the past tense nature of that word. It says, for whatever thing I have. Paul is speaking from a place in which he has nothing. And what did he say? He says, but whatever thing I have, I count it as lost. I count it as lost for what? For the sake of Christ. I count all this as lost so that I can grab a hold of the true nature of what God has given me. And it's in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's easy to say things like this when we have everything. Man, hey, all this stuff I have. Worthy that it will satisfy, that it will endure us, 
listen, I can do all things if the way I do all things is on my finances. Why? Because when you ask them for the $5 now, Valentine is so quick, right? That I can't do all things if it's dependent on my status or my job. Because when that job is gone, or when that status is gone, or when that lifestyle is gone, all of a sudden, can I not do all things anymore? No, that's the source at which I depend on to do all things, to, to endure all things. And he says, and I have suffered the loss of all things in happiness, rubbish, or dumb, in order that I may gain Christ. Church, we don't need God to motivate us to pursue a career or dreams or chase down opportunities for personal advancement. We possess that God on our own, right? I mean, we can, we can motivate ourselves to be good and holy. We can motivate ourselves to seek promotion. We can motivate ourselves to do all this. We don't need God to be that for us. But what we do need in a broken, sinful world is we need a God who gets down into life's trenches with us. We need a God who isn't afraid to get into the mess and wade through the tragedy and the pain and the failure with us. Because that's where the depths of sin tries to get us. That's where the enemy tries to find us. Listen, the enemy can, can distract us and deceive us in the high parts, in the high places. He can deceive us on the mountaintops. But where the enemy takes the life from us, sometimes literally, it's in the depths, the darkest places that we've ever been. Where we've lost everything. Where we feel alone. Where we feel like there's no way God can lose me again. There's, there's you know, this place where we feel like there's no way God can forgive me. Where we feel like there's no way that I'll, I'll ever be the father that God wants me to be. Where we feel there's no way God will ever be the spouse I was called me to be. When we find ourselves in those spaces, where if we read that verse, I can accomplish all things, and we look at ourselves, we now look and say, I can accomplish anything that I wanted to. But then when we go back and pause the sun, listen, even, even in your battles, even in those places, God is right there. And you can endure it. You can come out on the other side God is there. Church of God the Bible. Jesus. He's better than you've ever known. Because He gives us what we actually need. He gives us the strength to survive our moments of weakness and a sense of freedom even when we're settling life's prisons. And so, you know, as we get ready to worship, we'll see you this, this morning and then the team comes up. I just want us to kind of get in this mindset. I want to read something to you before we, before we worship and just acknowledge our sins. You know, I hope that, that when we talk about, you know, and I'm always leery of kind of entering into things like this because, like, I don't want to be discouraged and I don't want to necessarily, like, condemn people. But what I don't want to even more is I don't want us to miss the depths of what this verse means. You know, because a lot of things in our faith we've taken and we, we, we kind of humanized it or we made it kind of lesser than it is for our own 